Hey, Moving Forward listeners, a quick disclaimer before you listen to this episode, which is part of the book writing miniseries that I recorded several years ago. The books I was a co-author on are no longer in print, and I have since permanently parted ways with my former co-author. As such, I have edited these episodes, removing as many mentions of the titles as possible. I'm also adding this disclaimer to minimize any confusion. The basic information contained within is still helpful, which is why I've decided to keep them on this podcast. I also encourage you to listen to episode 388 to learn more about the reasons behind my decision. Now that we've covered that, I hope you enjoy this series and find these episodes helpful. Thank you. John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 233. Let's jump right in. Part one. I'm going to revisit Poshmark for just a minute. And we had uh, last week a a pretty cool uh, new situation that popped up. We had our first large bundle order. So uh, I've talked about bundles before, and that's generally uh, speaking when a customer will order more than one item. And typically it'll be something like uh, a dress and a pair of shoes and the benefit for the buyers, they pay one shipping rate and we get to ship it out in one box. So it's a great way to maximize your sales. And you can even apply a bundle discount. I talked about that in the Poshmark miniseries. Last week, however, we had a very large bundle order. We had a customer order three dresses uh, at, at once, uh, two were wedding gowns and one was a, a formal dress. And so this was a much larger order. And the way it works on Poshmark is that the shipping rate, it's a flat shipping rate that covers up to five pounds. And that's going to be enough for most of the items that you're going to sell on Poshmark, whether it's a, a coat, a suit, uh, shoes, what have you. I mean, you're pretty much going to be fine with the one shipping rate. Even for those two item bundles, you're mostly going to be fine. But there are going to be times if you do bundle sales where you may exceed the weight. And in this case with three dresses, we did exceed the rate. We were closer to 10 pounds. And so the way that works, and this was our first time uh, dealing with this, we're facing this situation, is that we had to go into our seller dashboard and we had to request additional shipping. And Poshmark actually gives you options. So I think there's like a six pound, a seven pound. It goes all the way up to 10. And then uh, we had to get the 10 pound label. And the thing to know is that if you request the higher shipping label, then the seller actually takes the uh, cost of shipping. So that comes out of our... um, balance. It was like $19. So uh, for us, it was worth the cost of doing business. We sold three premium items. It was a great deal. But know that going in is that for any situations, whether it's one item that weighs more than five pounds, where bundles that weigh more than five pounds, that you may have to pay a little more for shipping. So that's something to keep in mind as you're building out your Poshmark business. If you want to learn more, episodes 202 to 221, I cover a lot more about Poshmark. I also have a roadmap at bemovingforward.com. All right, part two, let's go ahead and dive into book writing. And we're going to be focusing on, as we're moving into June, a lot on structure and really the technical details, the fine details. And over the past couple of months, we've really talked about ideation and those initial drafts and really kind of putting together your concept. Since I'm focusing on the self-publishing route, I really want to start breaking down the structure of the book. This is going to be really important, especially if you are going to self-publish. Now, I want you to take a book from your shelf. Any book will do. Open it up, and you're going to find that it's not just the text in the middle. There are a lot of pieces to it. You'll find a copyright statement. You'll find a forward, a dedication, maybe a table of contents. Towards the back, you'll find things like acknowledgement maybe the author bios. Those are a lot of the building blocks or the pieces to a book. 
So I want you to start thinking about a book. Think about your manuscript as a book, what it'll look like, and all the different building blocks. And I'm going to talk specifically about two of the writing tools I covered a couple weeks ago, uh, Scrivener and Microsoft Word. So I love Scrivener because it makes this so much easier. Uh, Scrivener has a lot of uh, pre-formatted templates for novel writing as well as nonfiction. And it gives you a lot of the blocks already formatted for you. And the way Scrivener works is that there are two components. There are folders, which I want you to just think of as containers. Those, those are your organization blocks. And documents. Documents are just what you would think. They're documents where you would type out your text. Folders allow you to organize your book, and so you will find some folders already there for things like copyright or, um, uh, you know, dedication or uh, uh, acknowledgments and things like that. And you'll find documents that are actually formatted for that as well. In fact, I think the folders are called um, front matter and back matter, and the documents are actually the different blocks. What's up to you is how you want to format the middle part, the, the real actual heart of the book, the text. And I recommend, this is why it's so important that you're going through the ideation stage and the, the initial draft, that you spend time thinking about the structure. We talked about this, the BME, beginning, middle, and end. Start thinking about how you want to make use of the folders. It's up to you. You can create a folder for each chapter and put a document inside each folder and then separate it out that way. You can create folders for parts, and each part can contain a collection of chapters or documents. Uh, you can use the documents for parts of chapter if you want to break it down even smaller. It's really up to you how you want to structure the book and make use of that tool, and as well as your writing schedule and what will keep you on task and motivated. Uh, you can do this on Microsoft Word. If you decide that you want to write this on Word, that's perfectly fine. I still recommend create folders Decide how you want to use those folders and then create separate documents, either for chapters or parts of chapters. Don't just write the entire book top down using one document. It's going to be a pain later on to edit. And one of the reasons why I love separating your book into separate pieces is that it makes it easier to move things around. You're going to find that some things that you thought were in the beginning are better served in the middle and you're gonna to wanna to move those around or better yet, towards the end. So separating your documents and organizing it that way, organizing your book rather into separate pieces will make it that much easier. The write-up for this episode is at bemovingforward.com. If you're interested in Scrivener, you'll find links with information on the platform in the write-up. All right, let's move into part three, a book that I recently read, The Best of Adam Sharp by Graham Simpson who also wrote The uh, Rosie Effect, which I talked about last week, and The Rosie Project, which I talked about a couple weeks ago. This one I wasn't as big a fan of. I give it two stars. Uh, the premise is it's a, uh, about a British IT guy who moonlights as a bar pianist. He's working on a freelance assignment in Australia where he happens to meet a uh, television actress that he uh, falls in love with, and they have this whirlwind romance That's, uh, that ends abruptly. I mean, she's married, and it's a, she's in a troubled marriage, and, um, and there are a lot of different circumstances, and uh, they part ways, and he ends up, um, uh, I think, uh, moving out of Australia at the end of the assignment. And then uh, about two decades later, she reaches out to him, and their lives are very different. Uh, so he's in a long-term relationship at that point. He's also uh, still working in IT, and she is um, 
married to someone else now and a, and a lawyer. And it's about uh, can you revisit uh, a lost romance, especially one from from your youth. And I thought it was a, it's an interesting premise. It's definitely an interesting premise, an interesting question. I just wasn't as crazy about these characters and the execution. I, I just felt like the characters really were just self-indulgent. They were selfish. Uh, and it just, um, I wasn't really rooting for them. Uh, it just, I, to me, it just, it seemed like, I, I think part of it was the messy situation that they were they were both in. And, and the fact that it just, it seemed like, I, I don't know, I just got very frustrated with it. The highlights of the book, though, I will say that Simpson does have incredible writing talent in terms of descriptive prose. He, he really knows how to set the scenery. And what's also really kind of neat about this book, and w- one of the one of the highlights of this book is the fact that uh, because the main character is uh, Moonlights is a bar pianist, there are a lot of classic songs that are referenced in here. In fact, there's a Spotify playlist that you can actually listen to all the songs that are referenced there. So you may enjoy it for the music, but not my favorite book. I was actually a bigger fan of the Rosie series. I'll be back with a new book next week. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. If you just want to chat about writing or Poshmark or any of those things, I'm on social at Be Moving Forward. Have a great week and remember, always be moving forward.